Welcome to our Wednesday Bible study of the book of Hebrews. In this video, we're going to take a look at Hebrews chapter 12. Now, you might notice that I labeled this as Discipline and Heaven. Um, I don't know that that's really the best title for this video, but I wasn't exactly sure how else to give it a heading so we can kind of start to think about some of what we're going to be looking at. We most certainly are going to cover discipline, okay, God's discipline and the importance of that. However, this last part, whenever I said, and heaven, I wasn't sure how to really categorize that because we're going to look at many different topics. So it's not like, well, if we live a disciplined life, we're going to get to heaven. That's actually not what we're going to look at. We're going to look at things that are more so like heavenly things. Uh, I hope that'll make a little bit more sense once we get there. But first, let's dive into discipline. Okay, now when you open up uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, it's very important to recognize this was part of a continuous letter, okay? Every, every time we open up the Bible and we just start at some random chapter, if it's not chapter one, we're not starting at the beginning of that letter. Uh, so we need to sometimes recognize what came right before it. So the previous chapter, we saw very many uh, examples of great men and women of faith. And all of them, we kind of see this unifying statement at the very end of it, how uh, all of them, they were commended, but yet none of them received the actual things that had been promised to them. And then there's this last phrase that says, only together with us would they be made perfect. So whenever it talks about only together with us, it, it brings us in and talks about the importance of our faith. So now think about that's what just has been covered. And now we jump into Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. A, a wonderful start to this chapter and a wonderful kind of transition from all these examples of faith that we just saw in the previous chapter to now we're gonna be looking at this discipline that happens. Um, most certainly you could look at those examples of faith and you could see discipline uh, that they had to have themselves and also how they were disciplined by God. But in this passage, we see this call to focus uh, on the reality of things around us. The very first verse talks about being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who, who's this cloud of witnesses that uh, that is around us? It's the chapter before. We just looked at all of these examples of men and women of faith and we have this great cloud of witnesses and they are at least somewhat you know aware and and also uh you know they they notice what's taking place and they're engaged in what we're doing today i think that's so important to understand that those who have gone on before us it's important to them what happens now because we are now living whenever uh, christ has done everything that he has done so now we kind of see this perfection this completion of their faith and our faith working together on both sides of the cross. It's a wonderful image, and it really should be one that whenever we read the Old Testament, we can recognize that we are kind of part of this story. We are this continuation of this story. So because we have this 
great cloud of witnesses. We need to get rid of all these things that, that tangle us, this sin that drives us down. I mean, how ridiculous would it be if you need to, to go somewhere really quickly? Like if you're running a race, how ridiculous would it be to put on all of these weights? I mean, we would certainly recognize that that would be like a, a different category. You know, you, you just did that for an extra challenge for some reason. But no, whenever you race, you wear clothes that allow you to freely move. So that way you can move quickly. Well, whenever you look at this Christian life that we are called to live as a race, like this marathon, you don't run a marathon. You don't run this race with a backpack on. That's kind of how this image about sin, it can weigh us down, but even more than that, it can entangle us, trap us up, and allow us to no longer keep running. No, that's not the type of life that we need to be uh, a part of. We need to be a part of a life that is running this Christian race, and we need to run with perseverance. That's this race that's been marked out for us. How do we do that? Well, by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's what verse 2 tells us that we need to be able to focus on Jesus Christ and following him. You know, the best way to follow somebody is if you keep your eyes on them, you know, and, and they're in front of you and you can just keep going that same path. That's what we need to do with Jesus. He is the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Uh, not only was he himself perfect and he is kind of, uh, he paved the way, so to speak, for us and our faith. Not, not only was he perfect in that faith, I believe that this passage is also speaking about how he completed our faith in what he did. I mean, think about that. How would our faith be without what Jesus did? You know, our faith is so dependent upon Jesus and what he has done for us. So we need to keep those things in focus. We need to make sure that we recognize that Jesus is going to be able to be in front of us and we need to keep running toward him, keeping our eyes on him. Why do we do this? Why do we need to be doing this? Well, in verse 3, we find out that, we, that, that it will keep us from growing weary and losing heart. Sometimes it's hard to not grow weary and to not lose heart, so to speak. But we can be helped if we focus on Jesus Christ and fix our eyes and our gaze and our intentions and thoughts on him. Um, let, let's keep looking at this discipline, though, because discipline is such an important part of Christianity. Verses 4 through 11. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now we get to this heart of discipline. We get to the point 
of discipline. And I think that we can even view this time in which we're living right now as a bit of discipline. Now, specifically to the original audience, what we need to recognize is because uh, it's kind of been hinted at a few times up to this point. They are enduring hardships. OK, they have been. There has been this struggle. There have been these difficulties that the early church was having to endure. However, in verse four, he says they haven't yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. You know, they haven't been tested that much yet. So the persecution has started. The, these uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, they're experiencing some type of persecution, some type of hardship. But it's not as bad as it will perhaps get in the future. And what about us? You know, sometimes we go through times that's really not as challenging as others. And sometimes we go through some times that are perhaps very challenging. And here, I think we could even perhaps look at the current situation that we might find ourselves in as some type of, uh, of, of disciplining. And what are we going to learn from this? Because, you know, after all, there's a few different ways that discipline can uh, can be accomplished. You know, sometimes we we think of discipline as just kind of a bad thing, like we almost equate discipline with punishment. But it's not the same thing. You know, another form of discipline is you you have to discipline yourself. You know, we might say we have to condition ourselves if we're going to run some type of race. Well, the same thing can be said about this type of discipline is it's not always just because you've done something wrong. Sometimes it's just to prepare you for something that's in the future. And here in verse 7, we kind of see this, this combination of those two things that we're called to endure hardships as discipline. So whenever we endure hardships, no matter where that might come from, you know, sometimes the hardships might be something that God himself has placed on us for whatever reason. You know, God knows, sometimes we don't. Sometimes hardships can be placed on us from an outside source. Perhaps somebody who is just uh, has ill will toward Christianity or perhaps just ill will toward you as an individual for whatever reason. However, we have this statement that, that we can focus on this and we can endure these hardships as discipline and recognize that discipline is important. There is something that we can learn. And in fact, the way that God deals with us is that he treats us as children and he's right there with us to guide us and to, to train us so that we can do better, you know, in the future and be able to become more and more like him. In, in fact, in verse 10, it talks about the whole purpose behind all of these things is in order that we may share in his holiness. Do you want to be holy? I mean, that's a call that goes back to even the book of Leviticus is be holy because the Lord is holy, you know, be holy like the holiness of God. And we get that in the New Testament as well, that we are called to be holy because he is holy. Well, in order for us to be holy, Sometimes we might have to go through this discipline. I mean, that's the reason for the discipline is so that we can share in the holiness of God. I would hope that that starts to make sense for us. Now, we can look at this chapter and we can understand it. We can say, oh, that's great for the Hebrews. However, when we start looking at our own lives, sometimes we don't always like to endure these things. In verse 11, he even, you know, honestly brings up the fact that Discipline doesn't seem pleasant at the time. We don't like it. It seems painful. You know, and, and even whenever you're raising up a, a child or something, you know, you might discipline them whenever they do wrong and you might, uh, you know, they might receive a spanking or something like that. And that seems just like it's horrible. And that's like the end of the world to the child. But yet the reason why the adult is doing that is to train them 
to, to recognize that there's a purpose in that. Whatever behavior that they were doing, it's not right. And, and that association, they can recognize, I don't need to do that type of behavior the next time. And we see even here that sometimes this discipline, it seems unpleasant and painful at the time. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And I think that we can see that in, you know, a certain degree with the human fathers that he, that he talks about here, you know, like in verse 9. But yet with God, we know um, he's, he's always perfect in the way that he disciplines. And he knows exactly how much, but not too much, to give us. Sometimes we as, as earthly fathers, as human fathers, we don't always know exactly how much discipline is too much discipline. And maybe we might be a little harsher than what we should have been. Maybe we're not harsh enough whenever we should have been harsher. We're human fathers. We're not perfect. And God recognizes that too. However, there still is a purpose behind that discipline from the human fathers. And we can rest assured that God, he is perfect. So whatever discipline he dishes out, it needs to happen exactly that amount. Let's continue on in this chapter. Now verses 12 through 17. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or as godless like or is godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Now we see a continuation of this, this discipline and really how God is trying to shape us and mold us like a potter molds the clay as to what we really should be as to what we're supposed to be. God has a plan for us, but are we gonna be molded? Are we gonna allow him to mold us and allow us to produce this, this healing in our lives and allow us to be made complete, made perfect? Um, and here we see also in verse 14, this call for holiness, it, it, he brings it up again. Uh, he read it, uh, we read that in the last section. Well, now we see it again about this holiness of God. And we see in this passage that it says, without holiness, no one will see God. Hmm, isn't that interesting? We see another statement here in the book of Hebrews, just like in the previous chapter. Do you remember without faith, it's impossible to please God? Well, this time, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So if you wanna know how to be able to see the Lord, if you wanna know how to please God, you have to have faith, but you also have to have holiness. Both of these things are very important. So we need to recognize that and live our lives in such a way that we are faith-type people and that we are a holy-type people as well. We need to be able uh, to, to have these things uh, within us. And he gives the example about Esau. Esau messed up big time. And I mean, I'm just gonna confess to you right now that Esau, it's a strange story. When you go back in Genesis and you read that, uh, what took place, I mean, you might be wondering, why did he give up his inheritance for a single meal? You know, what, what was he thinking? And I can't explain it. 
I, I really can't. It seems like a really almost kind of silly um, story in many ways. But yet, it's what Esau did. He regretted it. He was sorry that he had done it. But you know, he couldn't change what had already happened. We see that time and time again. That sometimes you can't always just undo your past. But sometimes you just have to continue to move forward um, as God sees fit and as God allows. At this point uh, in the text, we kind of start to uh, draw a little bit into another topic. Now we're not going to go so much on discipline, but now we're going to look at those heavenly things. And really, it's kind of this contrast of, of what things were like in perhaps the Old Testament times, but now what they're like in New Testament. And if, if those things were so harsh and so necessary in the Old Testament, how much more so in the New? That's kind of the point that we're going to make in these other things that we look at, these heavenly things. So let's take a look at those now. Verses 18 through 24. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in, in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of our new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You see all these heavenly things. All these things in the New Testament that it's it's not like those in the Old Testament. You know, they had a mountain in the Old Testament that they came before. And it, it was, you know, it was very harsh in verse 20. If anything touched the mountain, it had to be stoned to death. You know, if an animal, if a person, you know, whatever, they they're just they were not supposed to touch the mountain. It was holy. And even Moses himself in verse 21 that, that is attested to there, Moses himself says, I'm trembling with fear. It was a fearful thing in that on Mount uh, Sinai there. However, that's not the mountain that we come to. Our mountain is different. Verse 22, we see the contrast. This heavenly mountain, this Mount Zion, which, by the way, when you look at Mount Zion, you see that, that sometimes it is specifically talking about the temple, sometimes more generally talking about Jerusalem. And right here, we kind of see that it's, it's including all these things together. Basically, we now have, have contrasted Mount Sinai whenever it was so important that they, they respected the holiness of God and the holiness of that mountain and that location and stuff. All, all of that, that was true on the mountain whenever they received the, the law of Moses. But yet in verse 22, now we see in the New Testament, we come to a different mountain. It's not Mount, it's not Mount Sinai that we come to. It's Mount Zion. This time, it's a heavenly mountain. This time, things are, are different. We are part of this, this church. We see that these, these spiritual beings are also part of this assembly. And we see this assembly that's gathered. It's kind of uh, all of the saints, both um, present and past, are all together here because of, I would say, because of what Jesus Christ has done for, for us. That's how uh, we can be the, the church of the firstborn. 
he was the first one who comes back from the dead and he he promises to to bring all those others and he kind of bridges that that gap and allow us to be able to to worship him on both sides of of, of death so to speak and here we see this testimony that this new covenant was was uh, initiated in verse 24 it's this blood of jesus and it speaks a better word than the blood of abel it speaks a better word than the blood of abel we've already seen how the blood of abel it cries out even though he died his blood still cries out isn't that so true with jesus's blood as well even though he died he also raised his blood speaks better it speaks more than that of the blood of abel and here we see these heavenly things we cannot take it lightly. It's a very serious thing that we recognize the, the spiritual the nature and the heavenly nature uh, of what we are a part of now. That we recognize that it is this Mount Zion. It's not just a place, a temporary place where God has said, okay, well, I'm going to just come here. I'm going to appear here and give you this law and then I'm going to go uh, away to a degree. But no, we, we kind of can come into the actual presence. Of God all of us can come into the presence of God because Jesus is our mediator and finally there's just a few more things in this chapter just one more uh, passage if you will verses 25 through 29 still this contrast of these earthly things and heavenly things but now notice that it, it continues on so we just saw that the blood of Jesus speaks better speaks more than the blood of Abel okay verse 25 See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we? If we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, I know as I, as I read this, you know, it could be a little overwhelming. And sometimes we kind of read this and we're thinking, this is very serious. It is. It is very serious. This doesn't need to be something that we are afraid of in the sense that you know, oh, well, we're afraid to worship God or we're afraid to pray to God because he is this great and consuming fire. That's not what the blood of Jesus does for us. The blood of Jesus allows us to, as we've already seen in Hebrews, to boldly come before the presence of God. And here in this case, we see that that this word, this uh, word that is speaking to us now, it's more powerful than that earthly word, so to speak. We also see that the focus has changed. Before, there was a voice in verse 26 that it shook the earth, but now there's going to be another one, you know, once more. It's not only going to be the earth that is shaken, but also the heavens that are shaken. That's pretty much the entire universe. All of creation is going to be shaken. And in verse 27, you know, if you're wondering, well, what does that mean about once more? Well, what it means is that, that these things, are going to be removed those things that can be shaken will be removed that is these created things but it says so that what cannot be shaken may remain so where is that going to leave us 
Well, it kind of depends on what you have focused your life on and what I focus my life on. Have we built our life on a foundation of created things? Because if that's the case, then what we might find whenever everything is shaken up, that our entire life is shaken up too. And we might not even find ourselves standing at the end. But what cannot be shaken may remain. Is your foundation, is your life on Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he gave for us and the things that he has promised? Or is it on these created things? So we have the ability to be able to receive this kingdom, like what verse 28 is talking about, this kingdom that cannot be shaken. We've got to be a part of this kingdom. And we can do that now. We can still pray that same prayer like what Jesus did about the kingdom of God coming and his will being done on earth just like it is in heaven. We can experience those things right here, right now. And whenever we can receive that kingdom and recognize that kingdom, we need to see it, it's not going to be shaken. And because of that, we can be thankful. We can worship God. And we can also worship him with reverence and awe. Not fear, but reverence and awe. Because our God is a consuming fire. I know it might sound scary. It's not supposed to be scary. But it is serious. Is this what your life is built on? Is it something that's something that's built on created things? Is that your life's foundation? Or is it on this unshakable kingdom? These things that Jesus has openly given to us. Are you accepting those things? And are you living your life in such a way that proves it? All we'll find out at some point. But right now is whenever we need to really prepare for it and recognize we will meet our God and we need to be ready for that day.